Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, once again, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. <laughs> I was waiting <laughs> with my lovely co-host, as always, Mr. John Small. Hi, everybody. It's What's so up with that sound effect? With I don't know. I've got. A, I've really got a little better sound effect. That's my cricket sound effect. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's like an insulting one. That we, I know. That was like, mean. That was. That was my. That was my. Uh, my pre-April fools. Well, we have an awesome guest today. Happy to have my friend Dan Berman on, who is the CEO of Cannabis BPO and Pharmacentra. One of the main reasons, besides Dan being a great guy and a friend, and one of the main reasons why I wanted to have Dan on is because he's an old pharma guy. So uh, old, I don't mean in age necessarily, Dan. Uh, I just I, meant I, old as in legacy. Okay, but know, I, okay. I am old. I am old. All right. Well, you said I didn't want to be insulting. <laughs> I want to get that perspective as well, because, you know, we have a lot of people on who are cannabis users or not, or farm is the devil and all that stuff. So I want you to kind of shed light on that from your perspective. Sure. It's it's great to meet you, Jonathan. And, and Len, it's always wonderful yes, to see you. Um, I uh, look forward to seeing you in person again. I think one of the last business trips I made was to visit with you out in L.A. about a yeah. year ago. Uh, so I look forward to, to getting back on a plane soon. But uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I actually own three companies right now. One is Concentra Solutions, which uh, if you hear this call might be monitored or recorded for quality insurance purposes. Hopefully it's us. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with very large brands like Citibank, Capital One, Amex, Cox Communications. And we, uh, we do both compliance monitoring to make sure that there's nothing wrong, as well as customer experience to make sure it's an excellent customer experience. I, I like to say, just because a restaurant gets 100 on the health exam doesn't mean the food tastes good. So we really look at both. Right. Uh, in 2003, I spun off a second company, which is Pharma Central. We make and take calls. We are a full-blown uh, BPO, business process outsourcing firm for the pharma and healthcare space. So anything to do with physicians, patients, pharmacies, caregivers, and communicating with them non-personally, meaning phone, mail, email, chat. Uh, and, you know, it, I go back to the days of, you know, of actual lots of mail. You know, we did lots of mail fulfillment to patients and doctors. We still do some, but that's, it's really not that much anymore. And it's all about engaging and educating and empowering. 
multiple verticals, clinical trial recruiting, uh, pharmacy locator. Uh, if you see an 800 number on a discount copay card, that could be someone like us where we do patient engagement and education. And so we really cut our teeth on, on in pharma, uh, learning about what does pharma do that's, that's so unique? Because it's not a typical sale in pharma. It's not like you can put an ad on TV and say, call this 800 number to order it. It's a two-step process. You have to go to a doctor. Nothing happens until the doctor actually writes the prescription. Then you have to take that prescription, used to anyway, by paper, and go to the pharmacy and fill it. And so it's a very complicated process to influence physician behavior and get patients to fill the prescription and actually stay on therapy. 50% of patients never even fill the first prescription. Hmm. Now, most patients don't stay on therapy more than 90 or 120 days, which is in pharma is called a $100 billion problem. If, hmm. if patients took their medication exactly as prescribed by the physician, pharma companies as a whole would make $100 billion a year more. So pharma is investing an extraordinary amount of money in the area of patient engagement and education, in the area of physician engagement and education. And so can I just ask one question there? I'm trying to understand the logic. So if if people didn't take their medicine, wouldn't they need more pharmaceuticals? Well, you know, it's one of those it's it's an excellent question. It's one of those things that I still have trouble understanding. You look at a category (laughs) like anti-rejection drugs for kidneys. Now, I've got a kidney transplant and I need an anti-rejection drug every day. Do you know what the patient compliance is that you'd think it'd be 100 percent? It's not. (laughs) Right. <laughs> it's a staggeringly surprising number. Uh, I, mean, I think in some cases, you know, in certain patient populations, you know, below 60, 70 percent don't take their prescription as prescribed by the doctor. They risk rejecting their donated kidney if they don't do that. So that tells you that the daunting task that healthcare and pharma as a whole has on getting patients to take their medicine. And so we've developed a lot of proprietary tools and techniques and uh, approaches to engaging with patients, to educate them. When a patient goes to a doctor, they get a prescription. The doctor does, the patient doesn't understand the disease and they don't understand the treatment. And so what does the patient do? In many cases, nothing. Right. And so we develop lots of engagement tools to help the patient understand the disease state, understand the treatment protocol. And what do you see when you do that? You see you know, persistency, we'd see 20, 30, 40% improvement in patient persistency. Now, when you're dealing with these pharmaceutical brands, these are expensive brands, you know, we work with right. brands that range anywhere from two, $300 a month to as much as, uh, you know, $100,000 annual value, annual mm-hmm. patient value, because they're infusionable therapies. So there's a lot of money on the table to educate patients, because you know, one extra infusion could mean $20,000 to the bottom line. Right. Uh, so again, we, we've had the, the blessing and the opportunity to learn really from the best in terms of, of how to engage with patients. Um, now the, the motivation in pharma is really, really simple. The motivation of pharma to educate patients is to make more money. And when we got into cannabis and we looked and pivoted into cannabis, uh, you know, three, almost four years ago, and we looked at what were the opportunities. We knew we were very early to the space for what we do, which is, you know, 800 numbers. Dan, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you for one second. I yeah. apologize, but sure. before you segue in. From a standpoint of not just business, but as a as a person who is pharma, you were dealing with pharma, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, cannabis. How does that even happen? How does it transition? Because you're so there's this one side that's anti-cannabis, and then there's this side. How does it even happen? Like, what is the mindset? Is there something yeah, that occurred in your that's, life? That's why you're the, the good interviewer, because he, <laughs> he is good. <laughs> that's, Smooth. 
I'm just curious. Uh, that's all. So. It's, an interesting, it's an interesting path. One of the verticals that we're very involved with, and we just kind of happened into it, is what's referred to in pharma as controlled substances, C2s. Right. C2s include ADHD medicines, which are stimulants, like uh, Adderall and the such, and then also uh, opioids, which are painkillers, like Percocets and things like that. Uh, and we happened into a space that required help. And we're, that's what we do for a living. We, I say we're problem solvers and solutions providers, and it, our solutions really are custom. So we provided a custom solution to a client that we cascaded through the entire industry of C2s. And we had the fortune, we have the fortune of working with all of the uh, manufacturers of branded and marketed opioid products. There aren't that many left, really, and they're very, very small brands. But the problem is that pharmacies don't carry these brands because they're very risky, they're expensive, and there's a lot of paperwork, and so they just don't carry them. Mm-hmm. And so patients can't find them. So uh, the pharmaceutical companies, the sponsors, our, our sponsors, put together a program where the patient can call us, we'll call the pharmacies mm-hmm. around them and find who has it in stock or who's even willing to carry it. And we like to say that you're not just saving that, that patient, because if the patient can't find it, they'll go back to the doctor and the doctor will just write another prescription. So you lose the patient and the doctor if the patient can't find it. A niche little program, not a large part of our business, but we had the, the fortune of learning about pain, learning about opioids, learning about pharmaceutical distribution, incredible rules and regulations around C2s, and how to communicate with patients, doctors, pharmacies in a very, very rigid space. Clearly, the opioid space is in the wrong side of history. And um, we were working with all these opioid companies and we looked at each other and said, there has to be some value in, in having, not a monopoly, but having a relationship with every single one. And so we started exploring how to help pharma companies be on the right side because it was clear that the pharma companies at this point were in trouble, that they were going to be sued, that people were dying, at record numbers. And you know, we all know the, the ending to this story. And so we approached our clients with solutions like how, how about uh, uh, providing distribution of disposal bags for leftover opioids? Because one of the biggest problems in opioid abuse is that the average household, there's 30 pills in the average household to supply every American with opioids. Because when people get opioids, they take a couple and then save them. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens to those is they end up in hands of people that abuse them and die. And so one of the solutions is to get rid of the leftover opioids. Mm-hmm. And so we proposed disposal bags to our clients. And now we propose some big data solutions to our clients that would help them track down doctor shoppers that would go across state lines to get opioids. And they said, no. And then our team looked at each other and said, this is wrong. We have to pivot. We have to find something that we believe in. I've always been a believer in the plant. I've always been a fan of cannabis. I've always believed in cannabis. And we started exploring cannabis. And fortunately, I I, I happened across the scientific conferences and ended up going to Israel and meeting and spending a lot of time with some of the thought leaders and scientists and and realizing that our value to the cannabis industry is not just to provide services, but help be that crossover, help be that translator between traditional pharma, traditional packaged goods, OTC, over-the-counter, and cannabis, because there's many directions cannabis can and will go in our market. But every single person I've talked to agrees that the three things that are essentially needed in cannabis, no matter who the stakeholder is, is the three E's. They engage, educate, and empower, which is what we've been doing in pharma for decades. And so that was our journey into cannabis. And it has been just an absolute joy because 
as more pharma people come in and more traditional packaged goods people come into the business, I feel like because I got in, we got in relatively early before you know, legalization in Canada, that, that demarcation point, yeah. I got to become friends with you know, real pioneers in the business that may not be as prominent in later years. So I feel like in many years, I'm witnessing history, hanging out with people like you, Len, and, and some of the, the scientists and the, the really early pioneers like Steve D'Angelo. And mm-hmm. you know, many years from now, when we look back on this, the history of this industry, I'll be able to say that I hung out with the pioneers at the beginning. So that's, it's been a real joy. You know, it's, 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 you know, from a business perspective, we still all have a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> can, but, can you uh, get, so Dan, can you go back to like the opioid uh, manufacturers and, and tell them, Hey, maybe you guys uh, want to consider cannabis as an alternative to that. Or, or well, you know, it's funny, you say, a... it's funny you say that because there's a big conference that's called Pain Week. Uh, it's in All Las right. Vegas every every year. It comes right and after we... Shark Week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we we would we we went to Pain Week because all our clients were there, all our manufacturers were there. I said it shouldn't really be called Pain Week. It really should be called Opioid Week because yeah. they had the big hall with all the opioid manufacturers inside the, the big hall with the, the, the lattes and the bars and the, the shrimp cocktails. Yeah. And then outside they have all the alternative healers, people who are selling the CBD products, yeah. people who are selling yeah. uh, you know, meditation therapies, things yeah. like that. The, the um, snake oil salespeople that will keep these freaks on the side. Well, they, they can't afford the big booths right. inside. So they stick them outside. You know, they, they're still worth it. You know, obviously, I, I got to believe, you know, especially with COVID and the disruption of, of trade shows in general, mm-hmm. uh, that people like Pain Week are looking at saying, you know, maybe we need, they need to get back to our roots of our name. Yeah. And uh, because the opioid future is a, is a limited future. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's been a, a real, real interesting journey for me is to, is to really learn about pain specifically and, and the, the role that cannabinoids can play in pain management and meeting some of the leaders in this space. And, mm-hmm. and it's not about what does a better job managing pain. It's, it's about pain management and pain right. perception and ultimately quality of life indexes. Sure. And, um, and that's really, you know, we've had a chance to profile patients and the, the numbers are staggering. I mean, in, in states where cannabis is legal, like Colorado, we have a long track record. Now it's 25% reduction in opioid deaths. Yeah. You can't argue with that. And some mm. people say, well, you can play with statistics. No, you can't. Dead yeah. is dead. 25% less death. Yeah. It's, it's really straightforward. And from an epidemiological, I can never say that straight, standpoint, it, you get single digits, you get excited. This is, you know, double digit improvement. Yeah. You know, my, my feeling is that pharma doesn't give a shit they, unless they know how to make money. There was a transaction that just happened where Jazz Pharmaceuticals acquired GW Pharma. Okay, there is a reason why that, uh, you know, Sativax didn't make it uh, through the FDA yet. Maybe they right. will now with Jazz. So as they see that they can make money off individualized cannabinoids for targeted therapeutics, I think it'll be addressed that way. But it's always looking at a symptomatic approach. And until the mindset shifts to preventative medicine, it, it's not in their business model to be incentivized to do that because the goal of pharma is to give you a pill to treat your pain, as you said. Here's an analgesic. By the way, this is going to damage your liver, but we have a pill for that too. By the way, uh, then you, your leg is going to hurt. We have a pill for that too. And you can't do this and you can't do that. And we have pills for all that stuff. And by the time you know it, like I have Pete, my grandfather, I had like uh, seven strokes and heart attacks. I will never forget as a kid, he pulls out a bag 
And I swear, there's at least 30 different bottles in there. Mm. And he's trying to figure out what it is and how do you, the interaction between them. This is not the business model of big pharma to want to introduce plant medicine that has botanicals in there, components to be able to help somebody prevent that. So I'm just trying to figure Preach out. Unless maybe. they own, Preach. unless Preach. they own, they own. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little, a little right. secret. Uh, and, and Len, you know this, but I'm, I'm a pretty strict vegan. And there's a reason I'm a vegan. Uh, I'm 59 years old. Uh, at 50 years old, went to the doctor. I said, mm, you're going to have to go on statins just like your father. And just like, you know, my grandfather died of heart disease. My father, this, thank God, still alive, but because of statins. And both my older brothers are on statins. And I said, mm, no, you know what? I'm in the pharma field at this point, you know, for a good 10 years. And I'm thinking, I think there's a better way. I know there's a better way. I became a strict vegan, went back to the doctor a year later took my blood and he says, wow, your cholesterol is at negative risk factor, which means if I had damage, I was reversing it. And it was my aha moment that the best thing you can do <laughs> is to avoid the doctor. And here's another little <laughs> secret. Another little secret. You go to pharma, corporate America, which is, you know, I'm visiting New Jersey right now. It's where all the headquarters are. The nicest, absolute healthiest cafeterias in corporate America are where? At the pharma companies. They have the most amazing salad bars and sushi, and they still have the regular American fare and junk fare, but they have really healthy stuff, and it's subsidized, so it's the same price as the hamburger, and they have a great gym, they have McDonald's and hospitals. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's my point. Yeah. And so I was actually at Northside Hospital to, uh, last year around this time for some for some tests, and I'm, the guy's willing to buy the McDonald's. I just it drives me crazy every time yeah. we go buy the McDonald's at Northside Hospital, and the, the orderly says, "Don't get me started." <laughs> I always wonder how many doctors who who would never think of prescribing cannabis actually use cannabis in their own personal uh, life, a, like a an astronomical. That's a lot. I know this from personal experience. Uh, I've. Uh, consumed many a joint with uh, healthcare professionals. Not mentioning names, but uh, that's definitely, I don't even know if they get tested for cannabis. Uh, no, you know, it's an, that's an interesting question because I'm in the medic, I'm, I'm in the pharma and healthcare space. So I obviously right. associate with a lot of physicians yeah. um, because it's a physician centric business. Yeah. I'm also Jewish and I live in suburban Atlanta and my kids went to a Jewish private school. So I have a lot of physician friends. <laughs> Is that so the epicenter for uh, Jewish physicians? Uh, I guess. Well, you know, it's, it's a new blue state. So it's all these Jewish. That's true. Go- that Except, yeah, but we have to talk about Mar- Marjorie Taylor Green after this. But anyway, keep going. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> She's not ours. That's Northwest. That's Georgia. Atlanta's. I mean, that's, that's Georgia's shame. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> so, it's like Donald Trump know, is New York's shame. When I started wearing my, you can't say, when I started wearing my cannabis BPO shirts and, yeah. and expressing to my pharma and doctor friends that we're now morphing into cannabis, and I started becoming much more open about my own personal use because before I was I was very closeted. And I, I you know, that's, you know, I, I was afraid to let anybody right. know. Yeah. Um, and as I did that, I became more and more aware that everybody smokes weed, man. Yeah. And everybody likes it. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor, like how many doctors have said to me, it is on the, the best anti-anxiolytic on planet earth. I have a bottle of Xanax or, or, or pot. I will always pick pot over Xanax. Yeah, not for sure. We started talking about COVID for a minute before we got the audience on. So you were saying that you got your vaccine, your second uh, vaccine. Uh, what did you get, the Pfizer or Moderna? I got the Pfizer, and I'm I'm a little addicted to the whole vaccine rollout. And the reason is I have a lot of family that live in Israel. Mm-hmm. So we've all heard about what's happening in Israel and how just right. extraordinary the science and data 
just coming out like fire hose data coming out of Israel. I was fortunate. I got the Pfizer vaccine. I qualified in group 1A in Georgia where I live because I'm a caretaker for my parents and an unpaid caretaker and care paid caretakers qualified. Uh, the first vaccine was a breeze. It's like, you know, getting a flu vaccine, a little sore, you know, maybe a little tired that night. Yeah. The second vaccine was harder. And I just, uh, I understand that first one you'd think would be hard uh, because it's the first time your body's seeing it. But the second time your body sees this virus entering your body, it knows from 21 days ago that that wasn't good and it attacks it immediately. Right. I felt that vaccine, the second one, within 10, 15 minutes. I just immediately, my arm started to hurt. I definitely felt sick. I mean, mm. but I did it with a smile on my face right. and Knowing. I did it with gratitude because I knew it was just going to be 24 hours and I'd feel better the next day, which I did. Um, everybody has different symptoms right. from COVID and everybody has different symptoms and different reactions to the shot. There's some science out there that say people with a positive blood have a worse reaction to the COVID virus than others. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a positive blood and I had a lousy reaction to the vaccine. So maybe one day the data that's coming out might determine that. I don't know, but it's a fascinating thing. I'm absolutely amazingly grateful with filled with gratitude that I was yeah. able to, to get the vaccine. Both my parents have been vaccinated now before yeah. COVID. My mother said, don't give me a hug. Don't touch me. Don't kiss me. I don't want to get a cold. And yeah. so I, I joke, my mom been preparing, my Jewish mother been preparing for this for years. So. <laughs> I don't yeah, think she'll let me hug her still, but <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, you know, my, in my opinion, uh, genes, so your your genetic predispositions and your epigenetics have a lot to do with how COVID enters your body and what the effect of COVID is, and then no we'll we'll find out about that. And the vaccine will be specific to that as well. Uh, it's just RNA. It's really difficult because it's sort of like the flu shot. You got to you got to chase the strain all the time. The strain mutates within your body. It mutates outside, so you're always kind of chasing it. So I don't I don't know if it's a one and done. Uh, I believe that it's something you're going to have to probably get on an annual basis to try. We'll get a, we're going to be getting a flu vaccine that will be right now. They have the trivalent, quadrivalent flu vaccines, which is yep. you know multiple strains. They're going to be adding a COVID strain to yeah, that yeah. vaccine. I agree with you. No question. They're already working on it. And the, the messenger RNA technologies, what, what Moderna and Pfizer are both using, right. um, is, is perfectly adaptable to that. Um, right. And that's it, it. Not enough people understand or have been written about this platform, but it truly is revolutionary what Moderna and Pfizer have done. Um, it will change and has changed already, me personally. So, we'll, we'll this, so you got the vaccine, you got, you got both of them. How did it change your life? How did it impact? Are you now well, he just running he around? Did his are first you, business trip. Cool. Are you running with no shirt? Actually. Are you no, running with no it. shirt again? Then are you running around? Are you hugging people? What's going on? It was on? very. It was kind of surreal. It was you know I I had a very highly focused reason to do it as early right. as I could because mm -hmm. of my parents. Right. And as soon as I did that, obviously there was an absolute sigh of relief. As a matter of fact, my brother took my parents to get their first vaccine, and when they sent the pictures, I literally broke down sobbing. Mm. I mean, that's that's how we've all kind of been pent up for the last year. Yeah, right. You know, my parents are elderly, my father's ill, and you know, it's nothing, you know, it's the last days of his life and he can't hug his great grandchildren. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, once I got the second vaccine, it's an interesting reaction. I really thought it would be a very different reaction. I, I talked to my brother who also got the second vaccine. It was kind of a downer. It's like, no, my life hasn't changed. And I have to be responsible citizens, continue to wear my mask everywhere. Right. And, you know, as, as I watch some of our leaders now who are leading by example, you look at the Biden White House in the Oval Office, every single person in there has been vaccinated and every single person is wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. uh, so I feel it's incumbent on me, uh, even though I've been vaccinated, I'm not protecting me anymore. 
Uh, I right. could still carry it. I'm protecting those who have not been vaccinated. So Got it's it. incumbent on me. And that not enough has been communicated about this. And we don't talk about it. We're, what we're seeing in Israel is they're going to get to herd immunity. We will not be able to take life won't get back to normal for any of us until we hit herd immunity. Between 60 and 70 percent of the population has gotten vaccinated or gotten sick. You know, we got a long way to go. Yeah, it's a while. <laughs> for sure. Well, I'm super curious about your own experience with cannabis. We have a, a few questions that we ask our guests, so I'll start with the first one. Please describe your first experience with cannabis, if you remember. I know there was ancient. I remember it, and, it, it, and I remember I was I was relatively old. I was you know senior in high school, okay. um, and uh, one of my classmates I saw him in college town. I lived in Ithaca, New York, and uh, mm-hmm. and I was in college town. I saw him in my class. Hey, come under the bridge and smoke some pot with us. I said. Okay, I've been wanting to do this. I've heard about this stuff. <laughs> uh, smoked it, hung out with the cool kids for a while, you know, the, the, the crew that I would never associate with normally and um, didn't really feel much, which is not uncommon. I found out later uh, the first time. Uh, wasn't until the second time. Because you didn't I, inhale. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, they don't do it right. If people yeah. are scared, like, for, because I've seen teenagers they blow into try it for yeah. the first time and they're like, and I like, so I'm inhaling and blowing anything. it out. You're not really yeah. getting it deep in, right. so because you were kind of scared. But, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. But second time was at uh, my friend Doug's house. Uh, he was a, he's a musician. You now works for Apple and very successful right. Apple employee. Probably owns a gazillion dollars worth of stock. Mm-hmm. And we we're in his parents' basement, and he pulled out a bong, I think, which was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. And I was stone i mean yeah. really stone it was walking distance to home he lived in an adjacent neighborhood i remember walking home saying wow i am just <laughs> Where and i am get I? home and i lived in the basement at this point my parents lived upstairs yeah. i was just, you know and i go around quiet so i don't wake my parents and the next morning my mom comes in yeah hi last night <laughs> she knew <laughs> no because i'm a jewish mother i know everything i said how how is that possible said, did you like it and i said I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't know. <laughs> did, did you raid the fridge or anything? Like, how would she know? No, I just you know? mother's intuition. You know, I was. We had a very open relationship. We talked. Yeah. We talked. Very, very unusual that we talked, especially for that generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until really, you know, college that I started. You know, I I, I bought my first pot. Yeah. And I remember, uh, a friend came back from Jamaica, and he was offering everybody on the floor and the dorms. Some like, ah, I'll buy some. It's like. Yeah. And I really liked it. And I'd go into my bathroom and turn the fan on and just take a hit. Yeah. And I just remember it's like, wow, I just like the way this feels. And I didn't, never really liked alcohol that much, you right. know, but that's what you did in college. You binged on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, uh, it's been a, a lifelong journey. If I, if, if I had had access earlier in my life, I would have had a very, very different relationship with pot. It wasn't until I had consistent quality, high quality access really, you know, uh, you know, probably 15 years ago. Yeah that I started to use it medicinally. Um, and uh, I've, I've personally tried many SSRIs. You know, we're right. very anxious society, and I like to say a very anxious people. Yeah. I carry the, the Jewish it's, nerve it's called bundle. the Jew gene. We have the Jew the, gene that the makes Jewish you anxious. Bundle. Yeah. John knows about that. I have yeah, no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. Um, and the, and the, and the, I, I found the SSRIs were great at taking me off the ledge, uh, but the quality of life just wasn't great. I figured this out on my own. I wasn't, there was nothing available at the time. And I found that smoking pot occasionally, 
uh, and then more often, <laughs> was as effective or more effective um, than SSRIs because I actually liked being alive. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was sure. happy. <laughs> and that really is the difference. And, and, um, and it's hard for psychiatrists. I have a lot of friends who are psychiatrists and traditional psychiatrists who don't prescribe cannabis. And in many cases, who are very anti-cannabis. So it's yeah. been a very interesting journey to, co- to, to talk with them. And, and to your point, Len, it's clear to me that the reason they object to it is because it disrupts their business model, not because they don't believe in it. Of course, <laughs> of course because they probably smoke in the side themselves. And like being Absolutely. Yeah. But recreationally. Right. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. There's no such thing. <laughs> it's adult use. You're 21. You go and take a therapeutic product. We're adults. We can do whatever we want. Uh, my, my favorite doctor story, Len, is, and you yeah. like this being in your field, is of a, of a friend who's a, a reproductive endocrinologist. So he helps women to get pregnant. Yeah. And I'm explaining to him one night, I'm saying the endocannabinoid system has a role in the fertility system. He says, no, it doesn't. I said, yes, it does. And now we have Google. It's amazing. You know? Yeah, you can just look it up. <laughs> I pull out your phone and Google it. I bet there's, I got it. I know there's some journals. I know there are. So he pulls up, he has his own little portal for his. Sure enough, he finds a connection. He says, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. I said, I know what I've been saying to you. (laughs) Yeah, right. And that's why education is key. And by the way, uh, John, in case you're wondering, Dan was saying reproductive is more my field. That's because I'm I'm in the field of uh, helping people get pregnant. Is that what you're referring to? Like that's, that's, that's one your, of you my mean, side gigs that player? I do. You're a player. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't quite catch. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. So music is a big thing. John and I are both like huge music guys and uh, I'm wearing uh, a Rolling Stones shirt uh, today yeah, because uh, we have uh, somebody who's of uh, a senior age bracket. So I figured maybe that, that band could connect <laughs> to Dan uh, as a guest. My father was a classical musician, by the way, and would not allow rock and roll in the house. Oh, wow. Well, that was the, so the question is related. <laughs> it's a, it's a good segue. Is there a certain type of music? Is there an album? Is there, what do you, uh, what you go to uh, when you like to listen to music, uh, whether you, um, when you consume or, or just in general? I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny you ask, cause I, I, did, I drove up to Philadelphia yesterday from Atlanta. It's about a 12 and a half hour drive. So I had a chance yeah. to, to exactly express that. And so, this, the 70s, the Crosby, Stills, Nash, Doobie Brothers, Eagles. I just had it. All that stuff is my soul music. Between high school and college, uh, I did a, a gap year to Israel and worked on a kibbutz packing onions. Yeah. And this is the music they played in the background while we were crying from the onions. <laughs> so, Classic rock. Classic rock. Yeah, just the old style rock is really what brings. When I go canoeing on the river, I got a little speaker and that's, you know, rolling down the river. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. And that's one of my favorite things to do in the summer. That's what we discovered during COVID is we got a new canoe and I live on the Chattahoochee River. So I take my my big bowl. I take the speaker. I take a cooler of beer. I don't know what it is about being on the river that you want to have beer. You got to go. Yeah. One of the few times I do drink, but I got to have a Modelo on the river. I don't know why. (laughs) That's my beer, too. Is it? Yeah. Or Special. Yeah. Any, yeah, especially or Negro. Right. I like the Negro too. It's hard to find the Negro. It goes, but... I guess Badella just goes with cannabis. It goes with cannabis. It goes with being outside. And it, it goes, goes with, with water, water, man. Water. It is, yeah, every single time that I go on a boat, that's mm-hmm. the beer I bring. I, I'm not a big drinker. One or two beers. And that, that's yeah, me it. too. Same. Yeah. I don't often drink beer when I do. 
It's Modelo. Modelo. So yeah. to me, there's nothing more I'm get in soothing than going down the, the Chattahoochee River after the rapids, light up a bowl, have a beer, have my 70s music playing. And that's great. Now, sometimes I have someone with me in the canoe and sometimes it's just myself and it's just very relaxing. So Dan, what has cannabis meant in your life? Well, you know, it's 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 recently um, it's become a, a, a family bonding affair. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, it was a big secret in our family uh, for me personally, and we all kept it secret from each other. My kids and my kids were sneaking around, and I'm sneaking around from them, and yeah. and now they're all older. They're 30, 28, and uh, and 21, mm-hmm. uh, and now um, it, it's one of our wonderful bonding things to do as a family. Even though my wife doesn't smoke. Right. Uh, or consume cannabis uh, is to sit and have a joint together. Um, uh, my middle son uh, is a is is a patient. He's a Tourette's patient, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's got a lot of uh, uh, like the, the Jewish nerve bundle. I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he's got everything, and we've been able to reduce the number of traditional pharma products he's on mm-hmm. down to two. And using cannabis has been a godsend to him. That's and wonderful. now he has an employer in Atlanta, which is a very illegal state. Very cool about him going out back during break. And, and taking his medicine so he can do his job. Um, Wonderful. So when you, you know, cannabis means a lot to me personally. Right. Um, and uh, it's, been, uh, it's, been, it's been an amazing medicine for me. It's been an amazing medicine for my three boys. And, and you know, now it's providing a livelihood for my family as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I, I love that story, uh, your sons. I'm glad you shared that. So bonus question. Uh, if you remember, because I know it's been a while ago, I promise is the old, the last uh, like age joke that I'll say. But uh, <laughs> describe what your room looked like when you were growing up, if you remember. Very boring. You didn't have any <laughs> posters, no Bob Marley poster. Oh, you know, I was very, I was really boring, and I, you know, I, I was, I was, you know, played the cello, and I belonged <laughs> the to classical the music. Yeah. I was a classical. You know, it's. A, are you are you a fan of Yo Yo Ma? Oh, he was the first. Yeah, I mean, Rostropovich was the first classical cellist I saw in person that really gave me a wow. Yeah. And then uh, in my sophomore year of college, uh, my roommate, who we were kind of keen on each other for my birthday, she bought us tickets to Bailey Hall to hear Yo-Yo Ma perform. And he must have yeah. been maybe a couple years older than us. You right. know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, and uh, and to watch him perform in person up close in Bailey Hall at Cornell University, which is an amazing hall that's you know rivals carnegie in terms of acoustics just i mean i get shivers just talking about it now still yeah <laughs> he played yeah, in, yeah, my yeah, seen, in my high school in my in my auditorium in my high school really? auditorium yeah oh, really yeah wow. i guess somebody had a good connection to him yeah and, i've uh, seen you know, play I, I mean and i've seen him play and i've seen goat rodeo which is a if you guys know anybody he there it's like a string band oh yeah, yeah 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 so they play so it's not classical yo yo ma plays most of class it's not classical i'm not sure how to describe the music yeah, they a play mix between funk and jazz and it's, a it's, it's, jazz. it's it's string it's a string band like i think it's a four-piece string band and yeah. they play but they have funny instruments the cello is like just exactly exactly yeah. they have these funny instruments oh, it's a string yeah. band and they all play it's it's a form of jazz i would say because it's sort of Going it's, back and it's forth. electric string. It's electric string. Electric string. Yeah, it's fantastic. So it's yeah, very I'm, cool. I'm, yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that as well. And Isaac Stern, I grew up with. I grew up with. Uh, you know, it's a Perlman used to yeah. mm-hmm. because I lived in an academic town, and my father's musician. All these musicians came to town. My father was. We hosted Roberta Peters, who was a famous uh, soprano. For yeah. if you remember, 
uh, in our house. So wow. you know, I, I was exposed That's to, cool. I had a very different upbringing than most. My brother was the rebel and oh, yeah. he liked to listen to the Almond Brothers. He bought albums and snuck them into the house. Yeah. And when my dad wasn't around, we'd put him on the turntable and crank the volume and <laughs> keep our eyes open for his car to make sure he wasn't coming down the turntable. <laughs> I'm well, serious. You, you already asked her. I was going to ask you if you had any. It's like Perlman poster in your. Uh, no, no, no. We didn't have those kind of posters. They didn't do. I don't posters know if they had. They had these like Perlman <laughs> no, <I've> posters. <laughs> it's like, like a Farrah Fawcett poster? poster with him in a ba- bathing suit with his. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like Perlman and Yoyama. Yeah, that's great. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Where Dan. can people find more about you and Canvas BPO and all the many different business ventures? There? Sure, sure. Thank you for asking. Uh, our website is web address is uh, cannabisbpo.com. Our other company is pharmacentra.com and concentrasolutions.com. And uh, it's, it's it's always great to see you. And, and Jonathan, great to meet you. Great to meet you. It's a lot of fun. You guys yeah. are a blast. I really yeah. enjoy hanging out with you. Dan, I miss you. Uh, I want to see you. I'm going to I'm gonna start traveling soon. I'm not sure if, about the vaccine myself yet, but as long as you're protected, you're fine. I'm, I don't really care. So I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> making a trip. Uh, you're welcome to always come to L.A. Love to see I'll be you. out west soon, I think. I think you know, we're, we're looking at a few months for things to start get back to some semblance of normal. And I have a, I have a feeling that business travel for really important people like you, Len, will resume soon. Oh, appreciate <laughs> it, man. Thanks so much. All right. Yeah. Good seeing you. All you right. Take All the care. best. Take care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Bye. Dan. That was interesting. A lot of things there. I, I was, uh, I'm very interested in the vaccine. You know, anybody who's gotten the vaccine, uh, my wife is about to get her second shot. Her friend who got her second shot got very sick, was like violently ill and, yeah. you know, had real fever, flu symptoms. And I'm so that I'm really looking forward to that. Well, I, it's, it varies. Like as Dan said, it just yeah. varies. And the reason why it's the same thing as if like, he, I'm glad he talked about his son because, and I don't want to disclose any of his personal stuff, but I know what it means in his life and I know what it means for a son and I mm. know what pharmaceuticals are versus uh, cannabis. So I think it's really important that he brought that up because somebody who is in the pharma space and sees all that and then is able to see plant medicine really work effectively for a family member, right? It's, it's illuminating, but you know, the, the whole thing with the vaccine, it affects people differently. Just like the virus affects people differently, mm-hmm. you know, genetics play a role in, on that even with the flu shot like i know I, i've never had one but i know that you know some people have a flu shot and they get violently no, I get, ill i don't get violently ill but it definitely gives me my arm is sore for four days and i don't feel that great for a day and but of course that's also psychosomatic because i just right. you know i'm a jewish neurotic Gigi. person and i'm sure <laughs> that i will have this i mean the, uh, the covid you kidding me and as soon as i get the covid vaccine i'm like i have covid i i feel i can't breathe <laughs> you know i mean it's just gonna it's not gonna be good well it's like me i passed out giving blood uh, so I, oh I, yeah I get that. i've been there yeah we've talked about that yeah so i wanted to see if we can go into our list before anything else i think that we'll have agreement on some, and we may have some disagreements. Oh, that would be on, good on some. If, we, if we actually disagree sometimes. Yeah. Just the other day, I'm on an email chain, and somebody sent across a list from Complex Magazines of the best rappers alive since 1979. And what they did is this writer went through each um, year, and then. So um, I have a question for sure. you. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but God. when they say best rapper alive, does that mean that rapper has to be alive today, or is that just no? The best I think they meant just that... meant the rapper who stole each year from from the year of recording hip hop. So it's like who was a rapper of that 
year and starts in 1979 right. and they have some honorable mentions this the article right. just to give it credit well actually it was written by many many people so i won't give but it, it appeared in complex magazine and yeah i mean they go through a list and they don't and they're not afraid to repeat year like uh, same artists for different years so there are certain years that are dominated uh, right. multiply by the same artist, which I can't wait till we get to a couple of those. Cause I, I already know your opinion on some of these. So. Some of them I'm really <laughs> kind of pissed off about, uh, but most of it is pretty good. And I, I especially in the early days, it's going to be hard for us to, um, argue, to argue. Some of them are a little bit pretentious just cause you yeah. know, it's like, whatever well, it's complex. They so how do you want to do this? You want to jump in and just go, yeah, I'll tell you each we'll year. And okay. then, um, all right, we're going to start in 1979. Let, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's set this up. So, we're going to take you back way back to 1979, the streets of the Boogie Down Bronx, and where rap is just uh, beginning as a cultural uh, phenomena. And they pick Cool Herc, DJ yes, Cool Herc. DJ Cool Herc is having it. parties. And, and it starts off, you know, with Cool Herc playing breakbeats. And then eventually uh, rappers start rapping over those breakbeats, and rap is born. So they say the first person that really made an influence was Grandmaster Kaz. And a lot of people might not even know who Grandmaster Kaz is. He, sometimes he's also known as Casanova Fly. So he, his whole thing is that he was one of the guys, early guys that, was, that used to rap when DJ Cool Herc would DJ at these, yeah. these parties in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And um, he was part of this Cold Crush Brothers crew, which was a, yep. a big crew back in the day. And he was in Wild Style. And he is the one who, Big Bank Hank in Rapper's Delight. Yeah, he just basically he's saying he stole. He stole Rapper's all his rhyme. He stole exactly. all his rhymes. He didn't. Exactly. He didn't really have any rhymes, so he just took all has. So he's even. He even calls himself like I'm the C A S A N O V A N. The S is F L Y. I mean, he even starts saying Casanova's name, um, exactly. which because he's Casanova Fly, and then that was a big controversy because Big Bank Hank is known infamously. Yeah. And those. Kaz never got paid. And Kaz never got paid or got any credit, <laughs> although he's made much of his, his his adult life complaining about that. So I think a lot of people are now aware of that. Well, I, I so what do you no, think? What do you think of Kaz? I have no issue with that because I, I don't, you know. I don't even know if I can I go know. back. And by the way, I don't know. Like in 1979, that was the year, you know, that Melly Mel was around, Tim Tim. I'm not going to argue. There is a guy, there's a one we've talked about, Shaw Rock. There's that yeah. Funky 4 Plus 1. They were around around that time but i'm not gonna Melly mel was the only one that i was thinking but i can't take it away from kaz because uh, if he actually is the guy rappers the light that he says he is then i he guess he's the most he influential but the guy i mean the people who made the most impact on my life is are the sugar hill gang yeah um for sure and for sure even though they bit his rhymes they still had flow let's face it i mean the word hip hop came from rapper's delight, right? Yep. I mean, a hip yep. hop, the hip it. Yeah. So I don't know how you can not, it's almost like criminal. Well, it seems like it's a slap in the face to them specifically, specifically. to put Kaz in there. Yeah. So they're basically saying, yes, I agree. They're basically saying, you know, without Kaz, there wouldn't have been the Sugar Hill Gang, but you all, right. you can't, you have to credit the Sugar Hill Gang, right? Because, okay. I, so I let's, agree. let's go there. All right. 1980. Okay. Curtis Blow. Curtis Blow. I mean, again, there's no argument. I don't even know how many rappers were rapping in the 80s. You know, there's this guy, Spoonie G, Cool Mo D, with Jimmy Spicer, who's um the Bubble Bunch. And, and yeah, I think, yes, I think Curtis Blow, who was somebody that Russell Simmons discovered, is amazing. Yeah. If you ever have a chance to hear that song, The Breaks, it's yeah. one of the he great saw the break. breaks. Uh, yeah. Just a quick story in Curtis Blow. They have the, the hip hop... Nutcracker, 
every uh-huh. single well they used to before covid and curtis blows in it and then uh he narrates some of the and it's it's really cool that's awesome hip hop now and curtis blow is kind of like a certain era right he's very early old school so he's got like the he still kind of dresses like like uh yeah he wears the suits he wears like suits he's like kind of like a it's it's sort of cheesy when you look at it now because he's very like disco um all right so 81 then they bring in cool mo d big ups to cool mo d uh cool mo d was in the treacherous three then he had his own thing i mean i have to say that i love cool mo d i had i had the pleasure wild wild west the wild wild yes (laughs) i had the pleasure of meeting cool mo d a few years ago i don't remember how this happened but we had lunch together and he had gained a lot of weight and he i just oh. all i remember is that i took him out and he ordered two entrees which i thought was very impressive oh. there wasn't enough entrees <laughs> for cool modi he had to have two um but anyway i love him and i've actually since that day been trying to find him and trying to track down his email address because i would love to bring him on my and your yeah, radio and your podcast but i can't can't find him but anyway cool modi big ups very very important person there's yeah. a person in there honorable mention that i love we have never shouted out but I used mm-hmm. to love his records when I was younger. Love Bug Starsky. Do you remember Love Bug Starsky? No. The what? fever. Yeah. You the fever. They make you want to breathe. I'm the Starsky. I mean, he dra- he talk raps like this. He's really it that sounds old familiar. School. You would. Sounds- we'll play it. Young lady, don't you act crazy. Homeboys, you know you got to make some noise. Say, hey, money, money, hey, money, money, money. Love Bug Starsky. He he raps like those old DJ Hollywood guys that yeah. used to rap um that are imitating um all these preacher type guys the way they speak the way they speak got it got it got it got all it. right then we got 82 is melly mel so now we're dealing with like grandmaster flash and the furious five yeah yeah i mean how yeah. can you argue with melly mel right i mean you there's no argument there at all i it's just the year it's the, the whole year thing is really it's odd tricky because yeah yeah because we don't remember right like where is grandmaster flash right and, and like, like yeah like grandmaster flash was never an mc but all those well, guys that were in the right. Furious Five, the Furious like Five, Scorpio right. and Cowboy, right. Raheem. Why is Melly Mel the one? I think it's because he did the message, and that's like that's, that's so right. influential. Yeah, well, it's the message. You're right. You're right. All right, okay. so we're gonna so scroll I'm, down. 1983. Nobody's gonna have. Although this is interesting, they pick Run. They don't pick Run DMC. Gonna, yeah, I was gonna ask you about that too. Why Run and one? Why not yeah. DMC? I actually personally prefer DMC. I prefer his voice. Likewise. I prefer DMC too. Yeah, and I'm glad you say that because I've always liked DMC more. I like DMC more in his adult life too. He seems like a really interesting guy. He's really well, nice. I saw DMC plays with Royal Machines, uh, which is that band with Dave Navarro and all those guys. Yeah, the Roxy, and he does covers on there. Really cool guy, and he's got he's into comics. He's got his own yeah, comic. super into comics, and he's just yeah. he always. If you ever hear interesting interviews with him, I mean, he was always he was so into hip hop when he was that age and he didn't love the stuff they ended i mean i think early days he liked you know sucker mcs and stuff they did in 83 yeah but when they started getting more commercial he was not a fan of what they were doing and he was much more into the stuff that was coming out of the streets you know like the the crush cool crush brothers and the crush crew and crash crew and all that stuff so we like we like daryl dmc mcdaniels more than run so i gotta disagree with them on that one 
Yeah, I disagree as well. I'm with you on that. And obviously the next one is going to be interesting too. Okay. And then 84, they go back with Run again. They don't like DMC. They don't like DMC. And what about like Houdini? Is that or or we're they're just talking yeah. about Yeah. Like LL like, Cool J. I mean, we're I guess he's not gonna be until the next one. But I mean, yeah, like now we're starting and UTFO, Roxanne, Roxanne. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's hard because when you do it this way, you're not you're only talking about individual rap, you're not talking about groups and a lot of groups were coming out too. So that's kind yeah. of confusing. So like a UTFO who did Roxanne Roxanne, which was like a huge hit. Nobody remembers any of the guys from the band. They just remember that hit, right? Right. And also Roxanne Chante came out apparently in yeah, 80, yeah, 84. Yeah, that's what it says. Yeah. I, right. I, maybe they, what they should have done was gave Run 83 and gave uh, DMC 84. Split yeah, it. that's true. And you know what? I'm This is think me thinking out loud, but next time we do a list, we should do best rap groups of all time. Not just rappers, but groups. Oh, that's I would love to do that. That would be fun. I, I already know who mine is. <laughs> so <laughs> 85 is LL Cool J to me I thought he came out earlier because 85 is when I graduated from high school and I was a huge LL Cool J fan I think 85 mm. was when he did Rock the Bells Rock the Bells no? yeah. yeah Rock. so the Bells. I know he did I, knew, I know he did Bad like wasn't Bad first I thought Bad before. was after I thought Rock the Bells was, was the it? first it had that radio on the cover I Can't Live Without My Radio I Can't Live Without My Radio remember that yeah 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 that's radio. about I Can't Live, yeah, with, I can't live but Rock the Bells is just like a song that holds up like right. this day when I played in my car. Oh man, it's just the greatest. And that's uh, Rick Rubin. So yeah, that was Rock the Bells. Oh man, the best. Um, yes. But this is also right. the year that Slick Rick came out with Lottie Dottie, yeah. and that the Beastie Boys came out with. Um, well, that's the whole thing again. Yeah, it's is group. it Beastie Boys and who groups? You... So they include honorable mention Beastie Boys. So how can they exclude them? Right. That's and then the who case. would you pick from the Beastie Boys as the best rapper? Like, impossible. I don't know. It's impossible because they all have such different flows. And yeah, yeah, I don't get it. All right. 86 KRS one. I cannot argue with this. I mean, I think he's well, one of the greats. any list that KRS is on. He's going to have to be the no number argument. one. I don't know about the year once again, because you did have school. You did. Right. Too short You're right. And yeah. And you had yeah, the ultramagnetic. You, you had Scala Rock. So, yeah, it's saying um, criminal minded came out in 87. So I don't know why 86. When did he do the bridges over? The bridges over? I think that was 86. So I was think it? that. Or the South Bronx. The South South Bronx. That was 87, I think. Oh, really? It says fresh for 86, you suckers. When he says the because South Bronx. This is this is the year that Schooly D came out. Well, look at him, my Gucci. It's about that time. Oh my I mean, God. how do you not give it? Yeah. They really missed there. You you and I know. We we look we're huge schooly guys. So I don't know when the first year was, but they God, they messed that up bad. Yeah. I don't think these people know about Schooly. He's not even, oh, yeah, he's on the list. He is. He's mention. honorable mention, I see. And oh, they actually said it. Yeah. Parkside Killers, the release of 12 inch back. Oh, he released the 12 inch that year. But okay. that was kind of his first thing. Yeah. It had Gucci time and Parkside Killers on it. That's what we're yep. going to talk if we ever get him on the show. All right. 87, Rakim. I mean, I, Rakim is one of my favorite rappers of all time. So again, he's like Karis. He's my favorite of all time. He, he actually one. is my favorite. Yeah. I love so, Rakim. So once he's again, in, the year. I don't know, but I think that's what right. Full I out, liked right? him. I liked him more in 88. No, I don't know. Yeah, right. I have no idea. 87 is when Paid in Full came out, which is It says by record. 86, 18-year-old former uh, recorder Eric B is president. So I, yeah, know, Eric I don't B know. is president and had Paid in Full in it. Um, that, that, uh, that's a group, one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, you, can't, you can't argue. So I'm not going to ever argue. Yeah. And there was really nobody else on their list that, that he's even close. Now, in 88, they have Slick Rick 
Now that was when he did like children's story. Yep. I guess 88 was the year that he did the show with Lottie Dottie. All right. That so, is. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, the year. I think that they are on. To however, Mona Lisa. however, in my opinion, and I love Slick Rick and I've had a personal encounter with him and I love that album and all that stuff. But it takes a nation of millions came out that year. How can you not put yeah, Chuck D? That is tricky because that's the the greatest. That's the yeah. Like, that's a see. That's I don't even know what you do there. It's almost like you have to cut it in half. I mean, Slick Rick is incredible, but Chuck D was like it changed the game, right? right. I mean, so oof, that's that's not one I would have. That's too hard. That's too yeah. hard. Also, Straight Outta Compton came out in '88. But is it Ice Cube or is it are we or is it NWA? Because I, you know, there's different yeah. people had right. Other people liked, yeah. Other people liked. So this '88 was one of I, you know, looking at '88, you could do a whole show on just 1988. It looks like it's kind of one of the great great years for rap ever. Yeah, for sure, for sure, it'll uh, get tricky. Yeah, it's gonna start getting tricky now. '89. This is when like rappers just start coming out of the floorboards. So '89, they pick Big Daddy Kane. I think we've talked about Big Daddy Kane. I've never yeah. really felt the Big Daddy Kane thing as much as other so, people. So, have you ever seen Big Daddy Kane do the Tiny Desk, the NPR Tiny no, Desk? No, is it concert? amazing? Should I watch it? Yeah, you should watch that because it'll give you a different perspective of Big Daddy Kane. He's a pro, man. He sounds amazing. He's soup. He still moves like yeah. He's uh, he's got style, man. That guy can still do it today. And I've seen him live a couple of times, and he still brings it every time. I mean, this is the same year. I mean, looking he goes at, to work. You know, I really like Bismarcky. He's not on this list. Bismarcky is the yeah. Um, there's there's a bunch of people who are not on this list, like Bismarcky, and a lot like, of those yeah. guys are probably Marley Marl's crew. So all the guys that were like, um, Frank Nice, you know, the bridge, the the, the bridge, yeah, the, the bridge, bridge is over, the yeah, bridge is over, and and the, and the bridge one. And anyway, so but it's a good one. I love the symphony. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. ding. Well, well, let me let me ask a question. Is it is that Pete Rock and Seal Smooth was that in that year too? Or um, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth, man. That to me, that's '90s because I remember playing okay. that record. Was that 90s? the same was year, maybe, maybe right? '91 or something? Because I remember playing that record when um, the Chronic first came out. All right, so now we're gonna now we start flipping '89. Starts flipping. By into, the way, the DOC should have been included. He's the DOC, not. right? Yeah, man, we've talked about the DOC on this show. Love that guy. I'm going to dig it down. All right, 1990, Ice Cube. Again, I don't, I don't think you can argue when Ice Cube, because he he was definitely... By the way, that album, I just have to say that transitioning away from having NWA, which is like mega, you don't have to talk yeah. about it, like the greatest, to America's Most Wanted. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. What an incredible release to go from superstardom to... You, your solo career and coming out with America's Most Wanted. Right. What an incredible album. That was just- I love that album. And he worked with the Bomb Squad, who is the production company that did Public Enemy, which is probably why we like right. it so much, right? And yep. he, he recorded, it's hard to believe he recorded most of that record in New York. It feels like such a West Coast record to me, but he recorded a lot of it in New York. Yeah, it does. It definitely has a, a, a little, little bit, bit of New York. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has a little bit of grit to it that I- It doesn't you know, have that laid those- back West Coast thing going on. Yeah. yeah. It feels like it punches you in the face a lot. So, uh, but yeah, there was a uh, Grand Puba's on there suggested yeah. this. I love Grand Puba. We don't talk for yeah, Grand Puba. But a lot. I mean, but I mean, it's I, not. Is Grand Puba? I always thought Grand Puba was a bunch of people, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Grand Puba was one guy. I don't know. Okay, that would be news to me. Yeah, all for one, one for all. Yeah. All right, ninety-one. I don't think we're gonna have any any arguments here. Q-tip. 
Although it's hard. I mean, Q-tips, I guess, better than Fife. Well, well here's- No, they, it's, they need the each other. One, this is the issue that I have because you can't single out Q-tip without Fife. It just doesn't, doesn't work. And if you listen to a new album without Fife, it's and missing that element. I know it they, they need to. It, it yeah. needed to be both. It's like the balance. Beatles. Like Paul needs ring. You know, Paul needs John. They need each other. Like they, they're they, absolutely. They and they still and the their BGs. solo stuff can still be great. Like Paul and and John had great solo careers. But right. when they were together, together is magic. Right. You know. I agree. That's just like separating Run and DMC. It just doesn't work. Strange. Yeah. There were some other guys. Tretch came out in '91. Who is I love. I've always loved Tretch from Naughty by Naughty Nature. By Nature. And Scarface, Ghetto Boys. Yeah, Scarface is awesome. And also, where's um? I feel like this is like the year, or maybe it's even earlier. Like MC Light. Some of the women, they really definitely like dissed a lot of women in this list. But you know, there, there's, there's, there's one woman. I think there's one woman. Yeah, there's in the one. List. I know, but I have I have a couple on my list of honorable mention. And I, I don't believe what year are we on? What year we're on ninety one. So we're about to get to. Where's Cypress Hill? Yeah. Oh man, how can we not shout out or be real? Be real is not on this list. Ninety one. I, I, mean, I would say that is definitely the year. And their voices you know? too. Like I mean, like what he said about why he even rapped that way in that style. That was so cool. Yeah. I love yeah. Be Real, man. I, be real. I we'll give you a shout out. Black Sheep is also not well. They're mentioned honorable mention. Not that they're the best, but they're just. I just have to shout out Black Sheep. Ninety one. Love Black Sheep. All right, go ahead. Ninety two. Ninety two is interesting. Red Man. Now I almost feel like they put him on the list because he's like not the most well-known of rappers like in the kind of mainstream and it's like they're trying to be a little bit i don't know i don't get it i, I love red men by the way but right. to me where's wu-tang clan where's meth yeah. and by the if way this can... is the, the year that snoop came out with deep cover so yeah. now he hasn't i mean they're gonna they're gonna give shout out to snoop coming up so maybe but you're right like where is wu-tang there's no wu-tang yeah. guys in here not no you can't pick guys. one guy from the 12 man crew <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, who would you put? You put meth, right? I put yeah, meth I, in that. Yeah, I think he's the best. But all of them. I mean, the Jizz, they're all good. My son loves Dirty Ghostface, ODB. Killer, or he loves. Yeah. yeah, no, he likes the old Dirty Bastard for sure. Ninety three is Snoop Dogg. I mean, yes, Snoop Dogg is incredible, and the Chronic was a, a game changer. Is that so. Doggy Style? Oh. I guess Doggy Style comes after the Chronic. Um, so he should have two years in a row. Does he have? Let's see. Then we go to ninety. Because Chronic would be more Dre, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you know, he kind of made his debut on the Chronic. Like you start, you know, it's, it's like this and like that and like this and uh, it's like, true, you true. know, yeah. But then he came out with Doggy Style, and that was like holy shit. Okay, I'm not gonna ever argue with Snoop. I love Snoop, yeah. but you know, again, this is like Method Man. Uh, this is like the year of of um, Wu Tang as well. All right, Nas in '94. I mean, Nas is really one of the greats of all time. So I'm not gonna argue. He, I was never a huge Nas guy. I um. I don't know why. Not that I didn't like it. I just didn't. It didn't like cross my radar as much as some other stuff I was listening to at the time. I'm I'm a huge Nas, Nas guy, fan. but Illmatic, and then it was just a big drop off. Right, Illmatic was like one of those records. It was hard to beat it. Yeah, the consistency. I, I love the flow. The poetry is amazing, but the consistency is lacking there a little bit. Like right. he, he never followed up, in my opinion, with anything as great as that. All right, then 95 rolls around and we got the notorious B.I.G. And I don't think there's going to be too much argument here. No. I mean, he could probably carry a few years because he basically brought rap back. Like he, rap was like in a little bit of a weird place. And then I, there's picks, never an argument with Biggie. When Biggie right. came out, I remember I was working in Tower and they didn't come out yet. And people were coming in with, with a tape 
like the mixtape from, you know, they got some, where, where do you have Biggie Smalls? And when Notorious B.I.G. came out, I had no idea the Biggie Smalls was Notorious B.I.G. So I kept saying, I have no idea. We have some Notorious B.I.G. And then somebody came up and said, no, 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 that, that is Biggie Smalls. Yep. Oh. Yeah. You're like, that's it. 96 is going to be controversial with us. Tupac. You and I are not huge Tupac guys. No. no. I and- understand it. I get it, and it was. I get it, and if you grew up in, I think if you grew up in the West Coast, maybe you had a different attachment to Tupac's music. And and I think that given Biggie '95 and Tupac '96, I I understand. Yeah, they're trying to play it. They're playing it safe. I don't know who I would put in in place of him. I don't know when Jay Z started making it onto the scene, but I feel like it's around this time. Yeah, but a little bit. But he maybe later. Okay, a little bit later, probably. But you have like. you have Mos Def, uh, Talib Kweli was a black star. All right. So then they had, then this is the first time they repeat one. So then they have, oh, no, that's not true. We had run before, but 97, yeah. they have the Notorious B.I.G. back again. And that's because this is the year that he came out with Life After Death, which had more, more money, more problems. Well, he, got, he was killed, right? Isn't that? Yeah. He, yeah. He, he was only alive for 67 days in 97. So yeah. this is kind of a tribute to him. Yeah, I, I think this was the Jay-Z uh, debut year. So right. they may have stepped on, on Jay-Z, but I think he gets mentioned later. So we'll we'll go with that. We'll go with this. There, we A little shout out, though, to Busta Rhymes, who I've just is one of my favorite MCs. He comes out. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, you all thank, you, thank you for mentioning that because uh, I have a special surprise for you and have you heard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, DMX then comes out in 98. Now, DMX... You know, DMX is a guy that I never really got that into. Never, never that into DMX's stuff. That's when I started getting up in here, up Up in in here. here. (laughs) I always feel like that was like jock rap. Like that was the kind of stuff like jocks listen to to get themselves psyched up before a football game. Yeah, I didn't quite, but he did make an impact. And I've seen honorable mention. The Fugees should have been on this right. list Lauren, a while back. Yeah, Lauren Hill. This is when the Miseducation of Lauren Hill came out. Thank you. So, How do you not put <laughs> yeah. this album and this MC and, and Lauren Hill, who's like legendary? I mean, we talked about it so many times, but DMX over Lauren Hill? No, I don't like I, it. I, I would argue. I don't like that. it. All right, 99 Jay Z. This is the year that um, Volume Two Hard Knock Life came out, Volume Three Life yeah. and Times of S. Carter. I mean, this is like Jay Z's year. That was like a huge year for Jay Z. Money, cash, hose. I know that we've had a little bit of controversy over Jay Z. You like him more than I do, but I gotta I give him Jay-Z. credits. I'm gonna do a Jay Z thing one time and just introduce you to some Jay Z that I really, really connect to. Right, and especially he's got great ever, rhymes. I get it. If you ever want to, well, it's not even the rhyme. Sometimes it's the poetry. So I, I'm gonna give you one that you can listen to. If you go and watch the video, it's it's the one where he's doing the apology to Beyonce mm-hmm. for cheating on her. Yeah. The video and the song is so brilliant. And it's like, oh my God, it really, really connects to you. It's sad and it's vulnerable. And not a lot of uh, hip hop guys like talk in that way. So I really give him credit for doing that. All right. So where am uh, two thousand. So, so we're in 2000. That was when Eminem comes onto the scene with uh, the Marshall Mathers LP. The way I am and Stan and the real Slim Shady. I mean, look, both of us love love Eminem. So how could you I not? mean, drop the mic. There's no arguing yeah. there at all. I don't I have mean, any. You know, it's one of the greatest MCs of all time. And when he came out, Slim Shady, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, it like changed the game. There's so, no. Yeah. I mean, Outcast. This is when they 
dropped <clears throat> their records and I love Outkast, but but Eminem is my is my that's my boy. Was that the year that they did uh, That was Stankonia B O B. So Stankonia came after the album that I loved. Well, no. Okay, so they had um I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Yeah, that one. I am yeah. for real. That's the one. Yeah. That was that's yeah, Stankonia. That's Stankonia. Stankonia. Right? That is Stankonia. Yep. Yeah. You know, look, I'm gonna take Eminem. My son is obsessed right now with uh, Outcast and he's trying to get me on the Outcast train, but I'm just I, I like love Outcast. I think they're great, but I mean Eminem, I think Outcast would say Eminem. Yeah, exactly. Outcast <laughs> is like, come on, we're not. All right, then Jay Z again. He comes back two thousand one with the blueprint. Jay-Z one of the plug. most classic uh, hip-hop yeah, albums I'm not going to argue with Jay-Z. I just get myself in trouble. And there's no really nobody else. I mean, Ludacris. Ludacris. I hung out with love Ludacris. Luda. I love Luda. love Luda. I went I went shoe shopping with Ludacris around this year. Actually, you know, about three <laughs> years later, where uh, I wrote a you story. Gotta, for, you got to tell that story. Well, no, I, I wrote a story for <laughs> Teen People Magazine where I had to take him around for the day. Actually, it was really cool. What happened was the way it worked first was that somebody at one of, at the high school now that where my son goes had written a poem uh, to him, and he liked it so much that he surprised the student body by showing up and doing a concert for them. They all thought they were going to sit and like listen to some boring concert, and all of a sudden, uh, Luda gets on the stage and starts rapping, and they all completely freaked out, and this, that was pretty cool. And then I spent the rest of the day just hanging out with him and writing the story, but I think he was so disappointed that I wasn't this like cute you know, reporter from Teen People magazine. I was like this freaking middle-aged Jewish dude. He was just kind of like, Ugh, all right, let's go shoe shopping. And yeah, so I kind of disappointed him. He was very, he was very pleasant, but I did watch him buy like nine pairs of shoes uh, on Melrose Avenue. He loved his shoes, but nice guy. I just, you just, you know, he, I can, I, I give him a pass. Move, get out the way. Get out Love the that, way, man. bitch. Get out the way. All right, 2002 Eminem again because the Eminem show comes out and the Eight Mile soundtrack comes out. Can't really argue there. I'm looking to see who else Cameron had come out that year. Fifty Cent. I don't really like Fifty Cent that much. Well, I, have, we'll, I mean, I we'll love talk about that. I love Yoko Shorty. Then Fifty Cent comes out in 2003. So I guess he gets his props because Get Rich or Die Trying comes out, which is. I mean, look, it's a great impactful album because they played it in the club everywhere it was yeah. everywhere as a rapper yeah i don't no. know it's just that one track and p and p p i m p is a good one but I that's mean, I, yeah i don't know i think he's that's overrated. snoop too isn't it snoop isn't snoop he, on it? he might maybe it's snoop p m yeah um the pimp yeah both of them right yep maybe they're both on that yeah, there's really no... And then 2004, we get... We, now we're going to start getting into rappers that I'm not as familiar with. So right, I will let's do this. So T.I. is 2004's. Mm-hmm. Um, came out with the Slow Bird or 2000's Trap Music, Soldier, Goodies, Stomp. A trap music. I'd have to hear that. I've listened to some T.I. And I, I'm sorry for our previous guest, Al Harrington, because we forgot to mention his uh, alliance and allegiance with yeah, uh, T.I. T.I. Yeah, they, uh, they work together. So, Yes, they, but as far as that whole trap sound, I understand he's an innovator of that, but there was, I, I think there's other people on that list. And, and I think that's the year the Black Album came out, which is Jay-Z's. I would have probably skipped one year of Jay-Z and gave the Black Album. The first one, the Blueprint and the Black Album, where it's Nine Nine Problems and Bitch Ain't One, classic of classics hip-hop albums. You listen to every song produced by Rick Rubin, by the way. Fantastic album. The Game... I mean, Game had a great album that year too. Uh, so I don't know. As far as like real rappers go, I 
think I lean in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. This is when I started lis- listening to rap a little less. So I'm good. I start getting less. I don't know if it's just my age or just wasn't feeling it as much. I mean, there's certain rappers that, that I love that are from the new, but which will come up. But like, for example, 2005, they picked Jeezy. No idea. No, I've idea. listened to some Jeezy. Don't I have no it. idea. I mean, game common. I all love those the guys. Game. Yeah. Love the game. Uh, love uh, common. I mean, common when he first came out as common sense. Yeah. Amazing flow. Uh, you have to give him a shout out for that. I feel like all the people writing this list are probably in their early thirties and this is the music they grew up with. And so like, they're going to be very like discriminating all this stuff. Cause, and I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it as much during this time. So Lil Wayne, I understand Lil Wayne. He kind of invented (laughs) a sound that still is with us today, but I just, he's so annoying as a person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just he just came out with a cannabis brand. What's up, Lil Wayne? You want to come on the yeah. show? I love Lil yes, Wayne. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> that, come was on, good, that was a good. That was introduction. Here. That was a good. Uh, Loopy Fiasco. No, 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 no. I'd rather have not. Nah, but I, I'm a. I love Loopy Fiasco. Oh, Loopy Fiasco is good. Yeah. If you are who you say you are, is that one the superstar? Then we get to 2007. Kanye West. Now, my son has really gotten me into Kanye because he's obsessed with Kanye West, even though he doesn't I love, like I him love as a person Kanye. that much. Yeah, Fantastic. and graduation. I mean, Kanye West is a really like an innovator. He is a genius. And so I think I we have agreed. to agree. I, I guess this is the year that Flashing Lights, that record came out and yep. Stronger and Good Life and Homecoming. So big ups to Kanye. Yep, for sure. Then Lil Wayne comes up again in 2008. All right, <clears throat> what's up, Lil Wayne? Come on the show. 2008, Lil Wayne. <laughs> uh, I'm going to scroll up. 2009, Jay-Z again, because he comes out with a Blueprint 3, which was the, her first number one hit of his career. I know, but because it had Empire State of Mind and right. it had Alicia Keys and all that stuff. I, you know, to me, and that was one town. of the weaker... Uh, very pop. Depend, very pop. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It, was, it felt like it was created specifically for radio play because it had... Even Death to Autotune never was a big hit, but that's a song that's underrated on the album. I highly recommend people listen to that song. I think it's a great, great tune. But the one that really carried that is Empire State of Mind. Right. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's very poppy. Which is really really poppy. And of course, I like it because I'm a New Yorker. But all right, Kanye West again in 2010 because he comes up with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Again, I don't know enough about this era of Kanye's music to really have... He has that that record monster yeah. with Nicki Minaj, who we'll talk about in a minute. But I don't know enough to even know who would be a competitor here. What's interesting to me is it seems like this is like there's less rappers on the scene. You know, like in the early 90s and the, the late 80s, whatever, late mid 90s, there's so many rappers. Like I almost feel like- yeah, there, just... there are a lot of rappers on the scene now. The issue is they don't produce albums. Like, so there's a lot right. of hits- you know, the baby and the little baby and the, right, exactly. Uh, and featuring little featuring little baby and, and yeah, I yeah, can't, and, I can't and even keep They're track. all on each other's albums, and it's like the only person on here that I well, I'll, I'll wait till we get to the list uh, that's not mentioned that I think is a, a complete innovator, that's a game changer, that puts out albums and really carries it, and he's not on here, which is really weird. And he's uh, one of the uh, you know the new rappers that I really. Well, let's go to the next one. And then so then we're going to start the 2010s is- <laughs> here, and it's 2001 Drake, and then we're going to get there's going to be a lot of Drake. I'm just warning. Well, people. explain this to me. All right, so let, let's talk about Drake because his competition there was the uh, Kanye, uh, Rick Ross, who I really like too. Yeah. But you you say that Drake is not really a rapper. I mean, he so. raps, but I don't think of Drake as a rapper. Do you? 
I mean, I know he raps on his records, but I feel he like he's kind of have a different, he's got a different thing. He's like, well, he considers himself a pop star. So does he rap? He can rap because I've heard him uh, do many different interesting raps. things like with yeah. Future and all that stuff. I love some of the stuff that he does. Uh, he's also an actor. So a lot of it is fun and he does a lot of fun videos. I just think of it more of like an R&B kind of club music. I don't know. I guess he's a rapper. I mean, he raps. He definitely raps, but I just don't think of that's his thing. I feel like he's a songwriter and he does his thing and he sings a lot of his but records. That's because he gets He's produced. a hybrid, I guess. It's a hybrid. It's produced rap. Like So you listen to music, like Jumpman with Future and, and Khaled uh, remix some of the stuff. So if you listen to it, yes, it's poppy, it's clubby, it's radio play, it's friendly, it's accepting of that. But if you listen to his flow and you isolate it, he's got flow and, and he's got a distinct flow and distinct voice and you can always recognize when you hear an album it's like oh that's Drake right. that to me is uh, is pretty good criteria I'm not sure about the X amount in a row that we're getting of him uh, which uh, yeah it's just about away. to it's about to get it's about to get <laughs> ugly guys um, are we on 2012 it's Drake again then yeah. okay then finally so Drake so, break so, Drake break oh hold on isn't that where Kendrick Lamar well, where the hell is Kendrick he's coming he's coming oh Oh, okay. So now 2013, we get a Drake break and we get a Kendrick Lamar, which of course you and I are going to be like, thank God. This is the year of Good Kid, Mad City. Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Yeah, Bitch, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Um, so this is like where he's kind of um, doing a lot of guest stuff. He isn't actually, he hasn't released To Pimp a Butterfly yet, I don't think. No. All right. Okay. So 2014, thank God we have a woman on the list finally. This is controversial. I can't, I mean, this is not controversial to pick, but the fact they have no women on the list up until 2014. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, Nicki Minaj. And we both have, have sung Nicki Minaj's praises on this show, even though she's gone very pop in some of her, her yeah, flow is her like flow, none other. Oh my God, she's incredible. Absolutely, 100%. They do have Killer Mike on there. Oh, uh, nice. Who you and I both love uh, Killer Mike. Love, but to me, Killer Mike is enhanced by LP and Run the Jewels. To me, the group right now, it's the best a hip hop group that's current. I mean, they, this, these guys saying. are like Drake obsessed because now we're in 2015 Drake again. That's three Drakes. And I mean, haven't they, that, and this is the year that he drops Hotline Bling. But I feel like at this point, I hate that song. Yeah. And I feel like <laughs> at this point, worst. like J. Cole has come out, Future is on the scene. Like, come on, give it to somebody else. Like, he's well, not you got to give it to J. Cole. To me, J. Cole is one of those, uh, young guys who has got amazing flow yeah I love uh, big him. sean is around that year yeah too. big sean man come on yeah. chance the rapper is 2016 i don't know much about chance i mean i've listened to his music i never really got that into chance he's definitely something like my kids like a lot um yeah, yeah my daughter you know. likes him too so i'm gonna give it up to him i love how dion warwick's like why did why are you ch in her twitter she's like why are you Chance the Rap? Why do you have to say you're a rapper in your name? Everybody, why aren't you just called Chance? <laughs> yeah, everybody know I am a rapper. I am I take I'm Chance. Yes, I am Chance the Rapper. I don't know. The well, year I'm looking, I'm looking to listen. They said that's the year that the final Tribe album came out. Oh, I don't know. So, Maybe you give it to Q-Tip. Just uh, well, why not give it? If you gave Q-Tip earlier, why not give it a fife as a true. tribute? As a tribute on that. It's the final album. Yeah. I don't like this choice at all, Glenn. No. I don't like it at all. I'm with you. Um, Kendrick again? Kendrick again in 2017. This is the album. Uh, That's the live. one that he won all the Grammys, right? Yeah. This year. Well, this is the year that, uh, first of all, 
Cardi B, who's okay, humble. So this is Cardi B came out this year. She's not on here, which is weird because that's another female rapper that should be on there because she made a tremendous impact. You have Future, whether you like him or not, Artie and all that stuff, but and then Jay Z's four four four. Right, uh, came out that year too. So I'm not listen. I I don't have my years straight here, but Kendrick Lamar. I can't. Oh, when they the, say Kendrick, I'm in 100%. So whatever it is, they can put him on three times. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I love Kendrick. He's one of the great new guys. Yep. But yep. I do kind of miss having Cardi. Now we're getting into people I don't even know that well. All right, All right so 2018, I, I Pusha T. I don't really know. I listened, to, I listened last night. I, I know the music. It. I'm not, not okay. feeling it. I don't know who else would compete in that year. I, I'm not yeah. 100% sure. But I believe. Travis Scott. I'm not, that's what I was going to say. That's the one that I was saying is the where is he innovative is he coming that's, up i hope so because travis scott to me is like one of the greats that's astroworld came out in 2018 oh come on do not have i feel like that's just Tra- them being cool well you gotta travis put scott. travis scott how do you not it's his, one of the most innovative albums ever made and, all right then then 2019 we get to the baby yeah not to be confused with little baby i um, like the baby better than little baby the baby but, does this thing and go wow 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 yeah in, the, in his raps which is kind of cool you always know this but the thing is this is also the year that freddie gibbs <laughs> came out and freddie gibbs yeah. i really like love freddie gibbs he's one of the new, great new guys and now 220 we bring it to the present day little baby not to be confused with the baby um or <laughs> where's or, little, or, little Uzi or baby Il, baby lil <laughs> i i'm sound like an old man now i'm not up on my little baby and the baby i know some of the the baby stuff i'm still I would argue that the baby is better than little baby. Uh, I'm not even sure little baby is, uh, All right. is even put out a full album. Little baby. I know he's on people's stuff. And he's got singles. All right. Well, that is the list. We probably should uh, wrap this up soon. It was a good <laughs> list. It. <laughs> it was a good list. I think to be continued in 2021, hopefully there'll be a rapper that will come out in 2021 that blows us both away. And it's like, Oh, that's the 2021 rapper. If we were 30 years old, we probably have a different perspective on the end of this list. But I, I don't like- know. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to my daughter. You talk to your kids. About no, he this, didn't like the it- list. My son was very upset yeah. about the list. I mean, when it gets to his era, the early era, he's going to defer to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Sasha what she thinks. But I, I think not having Cardi B, not having Terrible. Big Sean, not having J. Cole, and not having uh, Travis Scott. Yeah, strange. Uh, that to me... That was like from a, modern day. How can you not have? I that? feel like that was a little, like a bit of a little middle finger to like, oh, if you're pop, then we're not going to have you on our list. And meanwhile, though, when they go back in the day, they're, they're no problem doing pop stars, right? right? No problem having like LL Cool J and these people who are kind of a Run DMC who are like popular. So I, I think it's and a disservice to women. Again, yes. we'll just say that no Queen Latifah, no Roxanne Shante, and and, all and where was MC Hammer? No. Um, <laughs> no vanilla ice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see any vanilla ice in the list. What's baby up? Baby got back. Where was baby got back? No um, third base. No third base. Surge. <laughs> we should probably do best white rappers and worst white rappers. All right. I don't know if you know this we didn't even talk about it because we didn't go back and forth so i'll make it really quick but i don't know if you know this song but if you don't you should uh 
right, fellas. As you can see, this crowd really wants you out there. It's not what you're used to, but you really need to do this. They love you. Let's do an MOP style. Can we put a foot in their ass, please? I'm just happy you played it for me because I love it so much. And it's really what a coincidence because Elijah, my son, just the other day said, Dad, you ever heard that rap, Annie Up? Like somehow he it came on his radar. Well, it's the remix. That's why. Is that why? So Annie Up? Yeah. So Annie Up, because I I knew you knew Annie Up. But I'm like, it's the Annie Up remix. So let's see if you know that. So is that, what was the, what, did you just play me the remix? Yeah, I played how, the remix. How is it new? What's, what do they remix about it? They just, but I mean, yeah, it's still Busta Rhymes from back in 1990, whatever. It's Busta Rhymes, Remy, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that is but, so good. Oh my God. What a psych up song. If you're ever in a bad mood, just put on Andy up on. It's like, exactly. how can you not be, how can you not be And it's happy? so funny that you mentioned Busta and I'm like, oh man, I know that you heard this, but I'm just going to play you the remix because it's Busta and I. I love Bustin. I was listening to Scenario the other day. I'm like, holy shit, his flow. And we talked well, about it a million times. Uh, Busta, yeah, and we still can't figure out where we saw that movie where it was talking about how he was warming up for that. That was like his yeah. big moment, that yeah. one rap. Should we play that? Should we Should we go, go out on that? As I come the on. greatest, and it has to be the end of Scenario. This was Here's a great show. Thank you, Lynn. Everything is personal. Represent. <laughs> Peace out, everybody. As I combine all the juice from the mind, heal up, wheel up, bring it back, come rewind. Powerful impact, boom from the cannon, the bragging. Try to reap a mind, just imagine. Both can't build, there is necessary. When digging in the my library, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Eating I do stew like the one pizza tosser. Oh, 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 all over the track, man. Oh, pardon me, oh, as I come back, as I did the I had to beg your pardon. When I travel through the turn, I roll. With the squadron, rawr, rawr, like a dungeon dragon. Change your little jaws with your pants are sagging. Try to step to this, I won't put you in a turban. And have it smell right like some old stale urine. Chuckity choco, the chocolate chicken. The rear cock diesel, but cheeks they were kicking. Yo, bust it out before the buster, bust another round. The rhythm is insane. Oh. The vibes are on town. Tripping up the sound just like a ratio. Yo, observe the vibe and check out the scenario. Yo, yo, Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, 
Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com. <laughs>